Belly and the fish. Belly. Belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. the fish, and we got big old Ben Belly Smokes Hunter. What's shaking, Corb? Not a lot, man. Feeling good. Finish the season strong. And I understand you actually watched the fucking game this time, huh? You know, you got to love some prime time. Uh, It's going to be on national cable. The the people down here in Tennessee, I guess uh, they're jealous of a team that uh, actually looked good while not making the playoffs because mine sure didn't. So happy to watch them on prime time. Yeah, we both almost had a chance for a win in your end, but Lions fumbled the bag and it wasn't even their fault. Titans just got destroyed by the Jags. We were watching a little bit Saturday and it was not pretty. They Josh Dobbs, I mean, he did a little bit better than I expected, to be honest. I mean, just the whole thing is, I'm not saying Ryan Tannehill is good, but you could just tell how important that guy is to the team out there. The guy looks shaky in the pot the whole damn game. In the pot? I know. I stumbled through that. I meant to say pocket. <laughs> And our guest today, we've got a Packers correspondent. Please welcome Brett Miller. Brett, thanks for joining us, man. Fellas, thank you for having me. Um, I I think you just wanted a sad Packer fan to rub your uh, pride in today. Well, I got to admit that I invited you on before I knew we were going to win or lose. (laughs) I wanted to get you on for the first game. That didn't work out. Brett's got a busy work schedule, but... Normally, we like to record these on Mondays, but just due to the long drive back from Lambeau uh, Monday and then, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, weren't able to get it to work out. So here we are recording Thursday and the band is all together. The special Thursday night edition. Mm -hmm. And the last of the regular season, sad to say. Brett and I went up with another friend to, to Green Bay over the weekend and it was a hell of a weekend, man. I mean, you said you had been to Lambeau before, right? A couple of years ago. Yeah, I went a couple of times as a kid, but it's honestly been about 12 years uh, since I've been to a game. I went to uh, Brett Favre's jersey uh, ceremony that wasn't a game, so it was quick. But I have never been to a primetime Sunday night game at Lambeau, and it didn't fail. No, no. My expectations were exceeded. And the thing is, I feel like I ruined the Lambo experience for me because how wh- there's nowhere to go up from there. I mean, it was one of the best game that you can imagine, at least from my side. I know that you obviously wish for a different result, but Green Bay is a beautiful city. I mean, Lambo is just at the heart of it all. And it was a fantastic day. We started out just tailgating, bar hopping, had a good like 20 beers a piece. And then we trudged into Lambo around like 630 for kickoff and Man, that was just a hell of a stadium. I mean, for the most part, the fans were really great, too, really welcoming. And I'd definitely go back. I just don't see, you know, potentially having a win in your end scenario, Sunday night football, last game of the year and a Lions win. I mean, I just don't know how you can you can go up from there. How was that, Corbin? Did you uh, catch a lot of flack from uh, wearing the Lions garb out there? Not too bad, to be honest. Like I said, for the most part, people were friendly. And I have a friend who lives in Green Bay, season ticket holder. So he met up with us at a bar and, you know, we were just kind of shooting the shit with him, having some beers, some wings and whatnot. Um, But we went our separate ways for the game. And when we got into the stands, uh, Brett was definitely a little sauced up. He got a couple (laughs) of these jello shot syringes. He came back at the bar and I just saw a look in his eye. I'm like, oh, man, Brett, you're on another level, man. 
and oh, me I on the other about hand. those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My point. Yeah. So I was pacing myself. Um, as soon as, you know, we left, I, I didn't have a drink at Lambo. It was first of all, it was cold as hell. And second of all, I wanted to really, you know, digest the game and take it all in. But we get there and I'm about to go to the seats and Brett's just like, Hey, I'm going to go get a beer and a coffee. And I was like, okay, I'll meet you there. So get up in the stands and there was a couple of guys, season ticket holders behind us. Um, real nice and welcoming, you know, asked where I came from and first game at Lambeau. <laughs> yes. You know, so they were really cool at the time and, you know, just kind of befriending the the people around us. Cause I was expecting that I was going to be chirping a little bit throughout, but it was all in good fun. I mean, for the most part, everybody was nice. There was one guy on the way out who was heckling me a little bit and Brett had my back. It was kind of nice to have a, a Packers fan along with me just so I didn't look like a total douchebag rubbing it in their face. And the other thing is, too, I know when we're down, it's safe to kind of be a little bit more vocal for the comeback. But then once the Lions took the lead, that's when I kind of shut the hell up because I really wanted to just keep my head down, not getting in any trouble or any tussles while we're in enemy territory. You you heard our, our moms in the back of your head saying, don't get in a fight multiple times on the way up to Lambeau. Uh, yep. You probably had several texts and then when we stopped in Madison on the way there and saw my mom and uh, I don't know what they think uh, about us there. Uh, if we get in a fight everywhere we go, but yeah. I think their voices were ringing in the back of your head. Yeah. We're like, you know what? It's going to be a heated rivalry. Let's just, you know, get the gloves and get ready to get in the <laughs> fight. It's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend for fighting. No. Do you guys, do you guys have a history of scraps? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> Well, I mean, me and Ann Arbor, but well, I respect count. the yeah, yeah. It's a, that's a different kind of rivalry than the one that we have with Green Bay, but um, but I mean, that's just a parent saying what a parent does. I think every time I leave, my dad just goes, "Be aware of your surroundings," <laughs> and I'm like, "Thanks, Dad. You've been telling yep. me for years." <laughs> yep, I woke up to like an eight a.m. text. Hey, honey, just wanted to make sure you're careful on your way up in Green Bay. You know. You know, don't, you know, talk too much trash, you know, just keep your nose clean and, you know, come back safe. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I'm fine. I'm 29 years old. I think I can handle myself at a sporting event. But she does have a point because if history uh, is any indicator, then I guess a warning is warranted when it comes to me. Speaking <laughs> of warnings, you almost did get us a full speeding ticket being head to toe Lions gear. <laughs> uh, middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. So oh, you yeah. guys got pulled over. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll shoulder a little bit of the blame there. I mean, we were going, uh, it was a 55 and it changed to a 30. And so we were slowing down. It was a trap. The guy pulled us over and Brett's driving. He's got uh, his Packers jersey on. I'm in the back seat with my Frank Ragnow jersey, just trying to keep my head low. Guy comes and talks to Brett and, you know, gets license registration, yada, yada. Turns to leave and he just glares into the window and sees my jersey. I'm like, fuck, Brett. I'm sorry, man. Like, I definitely just got you a speeding ticket right there. My bad, dude. Like, I tried because <laughs> there's nothing I could do. I was like, should I take it off? Oh, wait, I've got a Lions sweatshirt underneath this jersey and then a Lions T-shirt under that. So it's either just wear it or just go completely shirtless. And I, I thought that the, uh, you know, wearing the jersey would be a better option than just sitting back there without a, without any tarps on. I mean, that's better. And then he just walks up, sees you just declothing. Like, oh, yeah. he's not up to anything at all. <laughs> no, no, sir. I swear. I'm just a Lions fan. I'm just a Lions fan. <laughs> yeah, they were looking for some roadies. They said we got off with a warning. So that was all right. Brett was uh, slow and steady the rest of the way. So set cruise control at the speed limit the whole way there. So 
Oh, that's that's brutal, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. But anyways, let's jump into it a little bit. And, you know, when we had Steven James on for after the Vikings game, I wanted to talk to them a little bit addressing, you know, the Vikings. They're an NFC North rival and, you know, we're going to see him twice every single year going forward. So with Brett here, I've got to ask Brett, how do you feel about the Packers future? Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, after, you know, this game, a win and in situation, we beat the hell out of the Lions the majority of the time of my life. And, you know, we can't pull it off. Granted, this is the brand new Lions. Um, going forward with the Packers, though, I mean, you, you have to address a lot of questions, obviously. I mean, the big one's Aaron Rodgers. It's and I, I go back and forth on him. I He's an MVP, but is it worth moving on to see what Jordan Love's worth before having to pay him a big contract? That's difficult. That's a very difficult. Where where do you draft? I so, This was one of the more deflating losses that I've experienced. Um, I've been accustomed to making the playoffs most of my lifetime and having the Lions take that away from me was a little difficult to swallow, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. It can't be easy. I mean, on paper, like if, you know, a year ago, somebody told you that the Packers were going to be ousted by the lions to miss out on the playoffs, that would piss you off. But knowing everything that we know now, I mean, the lions aren't, like you said, they're the brand new lions. They're not just a pushover. It's not a gimme. I mean, so you can't be ashamed by that. I mean, I like normally if I was coming into Green Bay last year, I'd be like, okay, we are going to get our shit pushed in. But this time around, I really did have some confidence. I knew that we were being disrespected by the media and nobody really gave us a chance. And the hungry dog runs faster. <laughs> and, and although this loss hurt, it would have been substantially worse, say they were four and 12 heading into this week. Mm hmm. You kind of mentioned it, but what do you think about Aaron Rodgers? Is that it? Because when we were at the game, I mean, I kind of mentioned it before we had seen any of the news or anything, but then you see the video of him and Randall Cobb embracing each other, walking down the tunnel, and he refused to change the do the jersey swap with Jamison Williams, said, I'm keeping this one. I mean, you've had a couple days to digest it. What are you thinking? If I had to lean a certain direction, I would say he's done. Uh, he was so close a couple of years ago um, to leaving. Comes back, wins two MVPs, brings us to the NFC North Championship twice. And then you have a season like this. And to think that he wants to go through a full offseason again, full training camp, to potentially not make the playoffs again. I don't see him doing that at the end of his career like this. So I guess, I guess as a follow-up to that, do you want him to go or do you want him to stick around and pay him that contract? As a former quarterback in the high school days and someone who appreciates good football, I wish he would come back realistically in terms of thinking as like a Packers general manager type uh, person, I think you have to let him go. And then uh, a two-parter here. I mean, on top of what I just asked you, what do you think of Jordan Love? I've seen glimpses of a good quarterback in Jordan Love, but I've also seen <laughs> a couple situations that make you – Scratch your head and say, what the hell was that? Um, but at the same time, though, he hasn't gotten the snaps and hasn't really gotten a chance to pr prove himself. You're throwing him out there in the preseason with these guys who are just 
basically just trying to make a roster spot. So I guess how much faith do you have, if any, in Jordan Love, if Aaron does go? It's a good question because Aaron Rodgers was in a very similar situation. I mean, frankly, growing up, I did not like Aaron Rodgers when he was backing up Brett Favre because every time he got in, he would do something stupid. You didn't see a lot of greatness from Aaron Rodgers when he would come in, probably because he was in a similar situation. Um, That's all I can hope for for Jordan Love. Maybe Jordan Love is our third great quarterback in a row, and we just continue (laughs) this thing for the rest of my life. (laughs) The only real difference is, is like during Aaron Rodgers draft, he fell really far and he was like one of the best looking guys in that draft. I don't think Jordan Love looked that great coming out of college, but uh But on the contrary, I will say for Jordan Love that he was a high ceiling kind of guy who was raw and needed some refinement. The Packers draft him and sure, like that wasn't the pick that Packers fans were hoping for. But that is the perfect situation for Jordan Love. Take a year or two was the plan at the time before he went to the Packers. Let him develop and then maybe he can be something. Now he's had, what, three years to develop? I mean, that's more than enough time. And I think at this point, I mean, you got to shit or get off the pot. You got to let him loose and, you know, see what he can do before he's due that big contract. I don't think that they can just roll with Aaron Rodgers for, you know, 2023 and then use Jordan Love's fifth year option. And then, well, you know, you have one year and then you got to sign him to a like a, a max contract if he has a good year or you let him go before you when you only have a one year sample size. I think you got to give him two years and this is the time to make the move. Well, Aaron Rodgers has the potential out in his contract right now. So now is the time if it's going to happen, because I think if he if he resigns, he's on for another three years. And then Not last time. thing, last thing about that, I did see something else that. Not just because it's my team, but they said if the if Rodgers does go to another team, the Tennessee <laughs> Titans is where he's going to fall. And I, yeah. I don't hate it. I don't see it happening, but I also don't hate it. I mean, there's going to be a big quarterback shuffle, but I, I don't. Even, I think if Aaron Rodgers is not on Green Bay, I don't see him playing. I mean, he's made enough money, and at this point, I mean, why do you want to start over and kind of do the Brady? You know, take like two years for some other random franchise. No, that's um, doing the Farve, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So, you know, I really don't know what he's thinking at this point. I mean, he said it himself that he's going to, you know, process it. He's not going to let the uh, the pack hold the Packers hostage. So we'll probably see in the next month or two before free agency what he's really thinking here. But what do you think about the rest of the Packers, though, Brett? I got to say that was Quay Walker has been great all year. And, and I'll get to him and a couple others later. But. What a stupid, idiotic thing he did. I mean, yep. I don't know if that goes back to coaching or just the individual himself, but there were also several other mistakes throughout the entire game. You know, Rasul Douglas smacking the ball, walking down the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, he you know, you kind of call into question coaching at some point with some of those things when they happen recurrently, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with Quay Walker, it happened in the Bills game. When we were at the game, I was like, didn't that happen like a couple weeks ago? And you're like, yeah. I was up looking at the scoreboard trying to look at the replay because that was the play where Swift went down with an injury real quick. And Brett was all on it. He saw and he's like, what the hell is he doing, you know? I know, he's a young guy. I mean, he's thrown, and it's a it's a tough position, you know? 
they were down at the time the Lions were driving. So I get the frustration, but at the same time, you got to be mature and you got to have your, you know, a good head on your shoulders in those situations to avoid that, because that ultimately is, you know, one of the big reasons why the Lions were able to put it away. Right. And another thing in terms of the the Packers as a team, we kind of talked about this in the car ride back to Michigan, but I think offensive line is one area you need to take a good look at too. Um, I think we said David Bakhtiari is 31, 32. He's had several injuries now. Um, You got a couple other guys who just haven't quite lived up to what they should be. You know, in terms of a draft, I think you probably build up there, get some depth. And I mean, someone's bound to get hurt. And if someone retires like David in two, maybe three years, if you don't build up now, you're, you're kind of screwed, especially if Jordan loves the quarterback of the future. You need a line around him. Yeah. And I think the Packers run game is something that's been consistent. You still got Aaron Jones. You got AJ Dillon. You got a good offensive line that, you know, did a good job run blocking this year. So that's something you got to solidify when your quarterback play is, you know, in question defense has been solid. Can't overlook that either, but I mean, I think the Packers are still going to have a, a good team with or without Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, not saying Aaron Rodgers had a, a terrible season by any means, but this is one of his worst seasons yet, statistically. It's not like he was winning games for the Packers. A lot of that was their run game and then their defense. So, I mean, just if Aaron Rodgers is gone and, you know, Jordan Love is even a game manager, they could still, you know, cause a ruckus next year. They could still be kind of, you know, right where they are this year. They might not take a step back at all. So I'm not, you know, saying without Aaron Rodgers, the Packers ain't shit, but you know, it's in question now. We really don't know what's coming. That brings me my last question for you, Brett. Are you scared of Dan Campbell, these Detroit Lions, and what we're going to do in the future in the NFC North? This hurts me to say, but hell yeah, I'm scared. I mean, this is the guy's, <laughs> what, second year? <laughs> yes, sir. Like You take the Lions and you turn them into what they, they've been this year. Um, I mean, Shit, if they didn't start off one and six and lose a couple close games, you're talking about a completely different season. You're not just potentially an A seed. You could be a six seed, you know. Um, yeah, long, long story short, yes, I'm scared uh, of what he's done in two years. I, frankly, am more scared of the Lions than the Vikings. Bears, obviously. I, I think they have a real possibility at winning the division next year, depending on how the Packers shape up um, and the Vikings too. They, they won a lot of close games, you know, some call it luck. So if that doesn't continue next year, I think the lines are right there. Mm-hmm. The thing about the Vikings is, and even before this game, I said it, I think that the Packers and lions are the top two teams in the NFC North. I mean, we both just kicked the shit out of the Vikings and sure they won some, you know, real close games credit to them. I'm not discounting that, but just talent wise and, you know, using your eyes, I just don't see them winning the NFC North next year because their defense is aging and they're ragged. Teams don't have a problem putting up points on that defense. You know, Kirk Cousins, he's, I guess you would say still in his prime, but it's not like he's going to show some drastic improvement. Dalvin Cook, he's getting older too. Justin Jefferson is the one, you know, key piece that is still has some youth. So I could see the Vikings sliding a little bit next year. 
I think the Packers are in somewhat of a similar boat, but they still have quite a bit of youth, whether it's, you know, on the defense and they have some young receivers, Dobbs and Christian Watson now too, that are going to keep on getting better. So I see the Vikings taking a slide. The bears obviously secured the number one pick. So we'll see what they do with that. Maybe they get some capital and can, you know, trade back, get some more picks there, um, some more youth by proxy. So I don't know. We'll see how free agency in the draft shakes out. I think that, um, yeah, uh, realistically, my expectations are high for the Lions, and I think it's fair for you to have a little bit of fear on your side when it comes to them next year and in the future. But that's enough. I'll quit razzing you so much about the Lions, and I'll talk some of these uh, these individual breakdowns here for our very last game of the 2022 season. Going forward, we're not going to have a whole lot of Lions content. We'll be focused on free agency, the draft, and any other news that comes up within the Lions circle. So. We'll kick it to Jared Goff, who has firmly earned himself at least one more year as the starting quarterback. And it's funny how many people wrote him off in the middle of the season and said, no matter what, we are taking a quarterback in the first round. You don't hear that anymore. And that's what I've been saying all year long. Goff had his good games. Goff had his bad games. This last half of the season, he has been spectacular. 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He is our QB going forward, and you don't hear anybody talking about taking a first-round quarterback anymore. You'll see some stupid national analysts who's still like, oh, like Jared Goff, like, are you watching fucking football? The dude has been killing it. He's the leader of the franchise, and he's proven all of his doubters wrong. You see him on the sidelines and in the locker room, hyping up the fans and the teammates. We were there in Lambeau, and you see him going down, slapping hands at everybody. And he tied Matthew Stafford for the best QB rating for an entire season. The one exception was the 2019 year with Stafford, but he didn't play the whole season. So that's the best season a Lions quarterback has ever put forward in the franchise's history. You know, this Green Bay game, it wasn't his best by any means, but it's not an easy environment to go to Lambeau. And it's not he's not going to put up 300 yards and three touchdowns or something like that. He did enough. He took care of the ball. He had that incredible throw to Jamison Williams that got called back. That throw to Khalif Raymond, he was rolling to his left threw it deep right and just one yard shy of a touchdown. I just saw him standing strong in the pocket all night long, and he was delivering strikes when needed. Even in the cold, it doesn't matter. Jared Goff can do it all. He's not a dome guy. He's not a Cali boy. He can go to Green Bay and get a win when needed. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due, but looking back at that trade now, getting two first and a quarterback during your rebuilding years, and then he turns out to be serviceable, it's a hell of a trade that they made. I mean, you got a little bit younger and there's not much of a trade-off. I mean, Goff has played just as good as Stafford at his best, and we got two first-round picks out of it. So, I mean, we completely fleeced the Rams in terms of trade value, but then the Rams got the Super Bowl. So it's been a true win-win. It's a true win-win. It was an even trade in my eyes. Yep. We'll move on to running backs here, Um, starting with uh, Jamal Williams, because former Packer going back to Lambeau, breaking Barry Sanders rushing touchdown record with 17 on the season. He also broke a thousand yards in this game. We've got to resign the guy no matter what. It's absolutely vital. He is a treasure and a leader for this franchise. I mean, you saw the post-game interview as well where he's crying and then he's like, don't disrespect the Lions. We some dogs. I mean, we, we need to get him back no matter what it takes. I think that he's going to be a reasonable resign and he's older, obviously, and likely to regress in the next couple of years here, but he brings something other than productivity and that's leadership 
And that's motivation for the rest of these younger guys. So he is one of the key free agents, if not the on the very top of the list, even though we have, you know, like 28 players or something set to hit free agency, he's got to be at the top. And DeAndre Swift, he also had a great game, efficient running the ball, and he had seven catches for 61 yards. He had that really clutch run on that hook and ladder that Amon Ross St. Brown pitched back to him on third down, put us in a reasonable distance to convert on fourth and went down with that injury in the third quarter. I mentioned that play where Quay Walker shoved the trainer, but he eventually came back in the fourth and, you know, helped us really put the nail in the coffin there. So, yep, running game did a really good job. And it was, it's a good Packers defense. So, you know, that's, it's not like we had the same game that we did against the bears, but we did enough. And sometimes it's all you need hopping into our pass catchers here. Not a lot from the tight end group this week, but Khalif Raymond, he had another nice game, just a dependable wide receiver, three or four. Everyone else's trash is our treasure. He is just tough. He broke his ribs on that, uh, I think it was on that touch, that near touchdown play. And he came back and played through it, you know, came out at halftime and he was still making plays. So uh, props to Khalif Raymond. He's been solid for us all year. Glad that we can keep him on the squad. Amon Ra St. Brown, six catches for 49 yards. You know, not a ton of production, you know, not his best game by any means, but he had some clutch catches moving the sticks and he did have that gooch grab where he pinched it in between his butt cheeks and ripped it away from Rasul Douglas. So that was a nice highlight. Another guy I wanted to shout out is uh, DJ Chark because, you know, he's had his good games and his bad. And statistically, I mean, definitely not his best game by any means. I think only a couple catches for 14 yards or so, but not big stats, but he did have two clutch fourth down conversions on the final drive, um, including the one that eventually put the game away for us when we really needed to get that first down to take a knee. He was the one who came up with that grab. DJ Chark set to be a free agent as well. We'll see where we go with that. We've got Jamison Williams, who's obviously been ramped up at the end of the season. I was going crazy in the stands when he had that touchdown on the flea flicker. And then I see the flag and got heckled by every single Packers fan around us. So, <laughs> but at the same time, he just looks fast as fuck. I mean, he caught it a little bit of a bobble and there was no catching him. I mean, he just took off like a bat out of hell. I think there was one safety, maybe five yards in front of him, but like, you know, coming at an angle, I mean, he didn't have a chance. No, and that's what that speed gets you. I mean, he can just pull away. And we're obviously looking to feed him the ball. And he would come out, you know, every other play or something like that. He's on a snap count. And I think that we used him very wisely at the end of the season. You know, we got him some game reps. We got him a touchdown. We targeted him a few times, you know, kind of warm him up, have him uh, use him as a blocker a little bit. But I'm very happy with what we've seen out of him. You know, maybe it wasn't, you know, five touchdowns and 400 yards or something like that. I think he just finished with like one or two catches on the entire season, but you see the potential there. I'm just pumped to see what he's got to give us next year. I'm just happy that we got out of it without him re-injuring anything and moving forward. So I have one question for you guys. Yeah. Real quick. Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, you could only keep one going into next year. I know this is not a real scenario, but if you could only pick one, who is it? Do you only get him for one year? Because if it's if it's through time, then you obviously want Swift. But if it's one year, I'll probably take Jamal. I mean, the thing That's is, fair. we have we only have Swift for one more year, and he is injury prone. So I would be inclined to say keep Jamal because likely Swift's last year is going to be next year for us. 
And I'm still on board for taking a running back in the draft because even if Jamal is injured, he's going to be on that sideline hyping the boys up. You know, he he offers something that Swift just doesn't. He's more of the quiet guy, and, you know, he has his role, and it is very valuable. But at the same time, Jamal is just more reliable, and I have to – if I have to choose, I would rather just have him on a one-year deal than Swift, who we're likely going to have to – you know, that we're likely going to lose in free agency next season. So Lions do have two second-round picks. I could easily see them taking a running back with one of those. Yeah, because, you know, Jamal, like I said, he is getting older. Production is going to fall off eventually. And then Swift, he's got injury concerns, and who knows how much he's going to command in free agency. I don't think it's a wise move for a front office to be signing running backs to long-term huge contracts. So, I mean, maybe we do have to let him walk, and that's for the front office to decide. DeAndre Swift has another year to prove it, and so far you've seen flashes, but you haven't seen consistency, and that's something that we're going to have to look into for next year. Moving on to our defensive performance, I thought overall we did a hell of a job. I mean, we did the same thing in Detroit when we took on the Packers and held them to nine points, and this week held them to 16. We absolutely stifled their offense. You know, they really couldn't do much. Their run game, which is one of their stronger suits, you know, they barely got over 100 yards. And Aaron Rodgers could really do nothing moving the ball. He got bailed out on a couple of deep ball pass interference calls, and they were valid, but at the same time, he wasn't really making that many plays with his arm. Robert Tunyon, I remember he bailed him out on that really nice catch across the middle. So I put that more on uh, on Bobby Tunyon than, than on Rodgers. That was just a hell of a catch in coverage. And only one touchdown all game, a lot of, uh, a lot of field goals for Mason Crosby. But I did call that one... Uh, that one field goal that was off the crossbar, I was like, Mason crossbar, watch this. Don't get right off the bottom. It was a perfect call. Well, you knew that was coming after the previous one that just yeah. snuck through. <laughs> Barely scooted <laughs> you, in there. You watched this one go the entire way. And there was no question that it was just hitting the crossbar. Yeah, but definitely not the best performance from the Packers offensively. And, you know, that was a critical situation. That was a win in your end game for them. And, you know, that's the best that they could put forward. I mean, no offense, but I mean, it was just not, uh, I mean, it just flat out was not good enough. And it's not like this lion's defense is a world beater by any means. That's our weakness. So, so it, props to the defense for stepping up, talking about our defensive lineman. I'm, we got to start with Aiden Hutchinson. He had two sacks in the first half. He was dominant out there, you know, just a smart, heady player. He was good in run defense as well. Aleem McNeil, he was, he's always been that unsung hero, but the one key play that he made was uh, stuffing, I think it was uh, maybe Robert Tunyon, or I, I believe it was, when he stuffed him on that fumble. He tried to uh, push it out of bounds, and he just came and put a hit on him, which allowed Will Harris to pick up that fumble, and that was a pivotal point of the game. Packers are driving down at halftime in our territory, and we get the turnover to go down and put a field goal on the board and bring it up to a 9-6, you know, just a field goal difference between the Packers and Lions at half. So Isaiah Bugs, he did a great job too. Seven tackles this game. And then James Houston, I noticed he got a lot of playing time, but he was exposed a, a few times, caught out of position, whether it was like an outside zone or if Aaron Rodgers was booting out to the right, he would be cutting down in and then Aaron Rodgers would be, you know, running free. So there was something to clean up with him. I mean, obviously we had him in just passing down situation, but you saw him in on first down quite a bit. And, you know, maybe that was just Aaron Glenn's scheme, you know, have him 
to kind of, as like an extra pass rusher who, but who can also kind of contain the outside edge and Hutchinson's kind of filled that role very well, but James Houston, he's a rookie. He's not perfect. He's got some work to do and we got all off season to, to figure it out with him. Talking about our linebackers though, Alex Anzalone. I just thank Tyler from Canada because ever since he was talking shit about Anzalone, I mean, he has just stepped up his game. You know, this is a career best for him the highest number of tackles he has had in his entire career going over 100 leads the team uh, against green bay he had eight tackles and a tackle for loss so alex anzalone a guy you know you didn't really expect much out of but he exceeded my expectations for for, for sure and that wasn't really that much to begin with but just think if he didn't lead the nfl and miss tackles true he'd have even more but still 125 total tackles on the season i mean it's still impressive Sure, there's something to clean up. He's not, you know, an all-pro player by any means, but he was enough. He's all or nothing, baby. <laughs> well, we needed a guy like that with our young guys. I mean, Derek Barnes and Malcolm Rodriguez, we're hoping they're the linebackers of the future. But, you know, Derek Barnes, he did outsnap Malcolm this week. So I don't know if that was just kind of scheme. He wanted the bigger guy in there uh, just to help and run support. But, I mean, Malcolm obviously still has a lot of promise. I thought the beginning of the season, the first half, he was very sharp. And, you know, he's had his good games and bad since he went down with that elbow injury about halfway through. But I expect him to be a, a key piece to this defense and our starter for next year if we don't bring somebody else in. I think he's going to have a role no matter what. And Derek Barnes has proved he's at least, a you know, a second-tier guy. So maybe we roll with both of them next year. They're both still young, both late-round picks, and they got a lot to learn. Then we'll move on to our secondary, and I want to start with Jeff Okuda. He did not play due to an elbow injury, and I say that in quotations because I really think that he got benched. He was benched in the second half for Carolina, and then against the Bears, I don't think he played much at all, if any. That's definitely a concern because our secondary cornerback position specifically is one of our weak spots. Jerry Jacobs is really nice. He's physical, but he did have a couple of uh, bad pass interference calls that kept the Packers in it. And I mean, he's a good cornerback too. And he's still a young guy, second year player going on to, into year three, but I don't see him as that shut down kind of guy. And with Jeff Okuda, you did see flashes. He shut down Justin Jefferson completely in week three, but then the second time we see the Vikings, they go off for 200 yards with Justin Jefferson alone. So I don't know that that position group is definitely going to be one of the focal points going into the off season, whether we supplement that in free agency or in the draft, I think we're going to be taking a guy in the first round at corner, no matter what, but uh, Jeff Okuda, definitely something to monitor. We really need him to, to be that shutdown guy, that top three draft pick. Like we selected him. He's got to live up to expectations. This is really his second year because of the injury that he suffered from last season. So we'll see if he bounces back in 2023. Will Harris, I already gave him props for that uh, fumble recovery on Aaron Jones. He had a nice game. Deshaun Elliott was back and clearly helped out and run support. And then Kirby Joseph, he is the bane of Aaron Rodgers' existence. He finished the season strong with an interception, five tackles in the game. He's looking really good for a rookie. You really didn't expect much out of this year. He's exceeded my expectations, and he's looking to be a staple of the defense. I think that'll about do it for our defense. So let's talk about uh, our coaches a little bit here because Dan Campbell is the guy. He deserves all the credit in the world. And you know what? He's humble enough to give one of the game balls to Sheila Fordham. But I wanted to talk about her a little bit as well, because like you said, Brett, this is not the same old lions. This is the brand new lions. Sheila Fordham has gone out of her way 
to give this team everything that they need to be successful. She's a great owner. Everybody says that the Fords, that the Lions are never going to win with the Fords as owners, but she has tried to flip the script. And that started with her hire of Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. She wanted somebody who was going to change this franchise's trajectory for the long term and to establish a culture of success. And we are really finally getting, you know, a sniff of that. I've talked to guys who have been watching the Lions their whole lives for 40 years, and they have told me that this is the best they have ever felt about the Lions franchise, that we actually have something tangible to hold on to. And it's tough for me to even imagine waiting for nine more months until we get to see this team play an actual meaningful game again. So I'm just excited. I have to try and put it out of mind because I'm like a kid on Christmas and it's nine months away. I can't wait for next year. And we've got Dan Campbell to think about it. He is, you know, he's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega of all of this. It all starts with him and, you know, Brad Holmes too, obviously. Penny Sewell was given some love to Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. And it was legitimately the craziest video I've ever seen because it, it sounded like some PR person wrote him a script and told him to read that. But I actually think that it's genuine and from the heart. It's the most positive endorsement I've ever seen any player or anyone involved in the Lions organization give to the team. And here's the quote. I was truly part of something special, Sewell told the media. I thank Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes for bringing me here because I truly can't see my life anywhere else than being here with the Detroit Lions. Every person that I have come across in the locker room, I got nothing but love for them. And I don't know how it is in any other building, but man, I feel like everybody in this locker room is really close to each other and actually genuinely cares. And that's the thing that I really love the most about this team. It really makes me want to go even harder and crazier, end quote. And that coming from Penny Sewell going harder and crazier than what he went this year. I mean, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Nobody has ever said that. And that's from the heart. I mean, I couldn't have wrote it better myself. I don't know if you've ever heard a Lions player give that glowing of an endorsement. No, no, not at all. So it just kind of, it goes to show what these players truly think of this regime and the direction of this franchise. So I don't know how you can feel any pessimism and anybody who can try and, you know, bring me down to earth and say, hold your horses here. I'm giving you a middle finger because this team is fucking rolling. They are the hottest team in the NFL. It doesn't matter if they're not going to be playing in the playoffs. They're coming for 2023 with a chip on their shoulder. Let's talk about expectations for next year here. And for me, I mean, I wanted to, you know, feel it out this year, kind of test the waters and they have exceeded my expectations. So now I've got a pretty high bar and I want one of two things at least to happen, if not both. And that's to either win a playoff game or, to win the NFC North. If we win the division and we go to the playoffs, I mean, that's something that we haven't done in, you know, what, what, 30 years. I don't even it's know. It's been last. some time. Yes. Quite some time. And then when in a playoff game, we haven't won one since the nineties. If we can do one of those two things or both, that's a successful season. You know, obviously this team is aspiring to win a super bowl and you know, that very well might be in the cards, but at the very minimum, I want to win a playoff game or win the NFC North because I think this team can do it. And this is our chance. Um, I think that it's almost better that they didn't go to the playoffs this year, just because I think they're going to be that much hungrier next year. And I mean, I know call me a Lions hater all you want, but I think if we would have limped into the playoffs, that would have been a pretty discouraging game because they would have played what the 49ers. Yep. 
And that defense is just mean, dude. And I just, I think they would have gotten probably stomped. I think they probably would have been like 10 point dogs, maybe, maybe seven, but still, I just think it's good. I think they're going to come out hungry next year. And I think this draft is going to be very important. Definitely need a corner. Definitely need some more defense. Uh, that running back point you brought up earlier, that was interesting, but I would almost just love to see just four defensive picks in the top two rounds. That is. Am I off on that, Brett? You think that they have a chance to win a playoff game or contend for the NFC North title next year? So I absolutely think they do. But what what happens when you guys go seven and ten next year? Then what? Same like old lines. <laughs> like you said, you have all your friends now. I have all my friends. They're riding highs. They can't wait for next season. And it's playoffs or bust essentially in everyone's mind, right? Mm-hmm. What happens if you go seven or ten, seven and ten, and miss playoffs and take a step back. I mean, it's a disappointment for sure. But at the same time, you also have to keep in mind that this team is so young and we really did just we exceeded expectations by two and a half games. That was the Vegas total six and a half. And we finished with nine wins. You know, that's not just, oh, two and a half games. No big deal. That is a lot. I mean, Vegas was way off on that line. Two and a half wins is a lot of games. So, yeah, if we finish with seven, I am going to be disappointed. But at the same time, I am confident in the direction that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell are taking this franchise. We are still young. We've got a lot to learn. But, damn, the potential is there and the sky is the limit. What's a record where you go, uh uh-oh? I mean, nothing. I mean, if we finished 0 for 17, I wouldn't want to see Dan Campbell fired. I really, truly believe in the man. Yeah, I, I don't think that 0-17 is going to happen by any means, but I believe in him as a leader, and I believe in the direction that he is taking this franchise. And winning is everything in this league, but, I mean, I, I would be disappointed with anything less than an NFC North championship or a playoff victory. I fully expect us to go to the playoffs. Realistically, like eight or nine or ten wins and we get snubbed from the playoffs, then I can swallow it. You know, anything less than seven wins, I'm going to be disappointed for sure. But there's nothing that is really going to to make me say, yep, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have to go because of the positive strides we have made these past two years. I am I have all my confidence vested with them. My soul, my happiness, everything that I have is in their hands. Please do not fumble the bag, guys. And the only thing that about this season that I, I know that we exceeded expectations, but the only thing that does make me take a step back is like, you can just look at the schedule and it just doesn't look as hard. And I get it. AFC stronger than the NFC, but I just get scared once they play some, like some really good AFC teams. Like I, I don't see them catching up to the Bengals or the bills or the, or the chiefs this quickly, but I mean, you got to take a step in the right direction. And they did that this year. And, just got to keep taking steps forward till you reach the end. And we have our opponent set for 2023. So as it sits right now, we have eight home games and nine away games. So obviously you'd like some more home games, but Shipped. yeah, whatever. Obviously we got green Bay, Chicago, and Minnesota, but our other home games are the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, the Denver Broncos, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Seattle Seahawks. I think that, <laughs> We could realistically go eight no at home. That's, I mean, that's those not are a some, that's not a very hard home schedule. Not at what's all. A, what's the away games? One second, I'm trying to find it here. It's tough. I would say those are all fairly frisky teams, though. 
Okay. The You're NFC North the Atlanta games. Falcons frisky? Sure. No way. They are frisky. At least they were at the beginning of the year. Carolina, I mean, they beat us. So I'm not saying like these are all guaranteed wins, but the way that we perform, we should be favored, I think, in all eight of these games, at least. And Las Vegas, no Derek Carr, Seattle, they outperformed expectations with Geno, but we were close with them. So we'll get all those teams at home, but then the road schedule is where it gets sketchy. We've got the three NFC North teams again. Then we've got the New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, Dallas Cowboys, Baltimore Ravens. Those last four are going to be tough. (laughs) Yeah. So right there, I mean, not even including the Vikings, the Bucks, Chiefs, Chargers, Cowboys, and Ravens are all in the playoffs. So that's five playoff teams we'll be playing next year. Now, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Lamar and and with Tom Brady for Tampa. But at the same time, I mean, looking at that, it's going to be some tough road games. But if this team has showed us anything, it's that they have grit and that they can pull out some of these games, that they can win on the road. It's not impossible. But realistically, I could see us having maybe 12 wins next year and winning the division. I don't think that is totally crazy. And Ben, I know you were laughing at me when I said we would have 10 or 11 wins at the beginning of this season. And here we are at nine. And I said, realistically, I think that we're going to pass that six and a half over with seven or eight wins. And we finished with nine. Yeah. And on the high side, it was 10 or 11. And here we are. I think I might've said four wins and what a tale of two seasons. So at the beginning I was looking, so I was feeling real confident at the beginning and then they just came surging back. Yeah. Corbin, you were, you were correct, but you're still one off. And then before we move on to the game ball and the burning bag of dog shit, a couple of things in the news. It's our two coordinators interviewing for head coaching jobs. That's Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn. Ben Johnson has been the real pretty girl getting passed around Texans, Colts, and Panthers. All have requested interviews today. He just concluded his interview with the Texans. And then Aaron Glenn has an interview with the Colts. Realistically, I don't think Aaron Glenn's going to be, you know, leaving as a head coach. The defense wasn't good enough, but he is on radars. He had an interview last year with the Jets. Well, maybe not the Jets, some other team, but uh, but Ben Johnson, a lot of people are really think that thinking that he's going to go. And I get why he is so popular right now. He's a young, hot offensive coordinator. Everybody wants that next Sean McVay, that offensive guru who could be your coach for the next 10, 15 years. But he has had three years as a coach for a position group. That was two years as a tight end coach and one year as a wide receivers coach. And this is his first year as an offensive coordinator. This offense has by far exceeded ex- everyone's expectations going into the season. And Ben Johnson deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, that's the one thing that he has going on for him. But at the same time, it's a small sample size and you watch it on hard knocks. And I don't know the guy personally, but he doesn't come off as that Deuce Staley, Aaron Glenn, rah-rah kind of guy. He's more quiet and reserved, and he deserves a ton of credit for how the offense has turned around this year. But at the same time, I think that he comes back for another year. If he does it again, that's when I'm really going to start to sweat about losing him, uh, you know, as long as he is on the, you know, the same path that he showed us this year. So, you know, hopefully we get to keep them both. Ben Johnson in particular. I mean, we we really want to see him come back. because That could have a pretty big impact on Jared Goff and our offense's success. We'll see how that goes. couple interviews. Um, we'll, we'll have a better feel for that as the weeks go on, but let's move on to our game balls and our burning bags of dog shit belly. Kick us off with your game ball, buddy. 
It's finally going to a lion this time. I don't know how many times I've done this where it's been a lion and not 17. been a tight end. Oh, what? yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's got to be Jamal Williams for me, breaking the record, getting two touchdowns. You got to feel for the guy. I mean, and all in all, we kind of skipped over this, but I just got to say the Lions just wanted it more in that game. The Packers just didn't look like they wanted it. Nobody wanted it more than Jamal. So good for him getting two tutties. Yes, sir. Good game ball. What about you, Brett? Who's getting your game ball? Jamal was actually going to get mine, you know, for different reasons. I was very disappointed when the Packers let him walk. I thought he was the rah-rah guy, like you said. You see it on Hard Knocks. You see what he's already done for the Lions. You see these post-game speeches, how much he loves the team. And he broke the record. He loves that team. And boy, do I miss him on the Packers. That's fair. Very fair for me. I'm giving my game ball to Kirby Joseph, our rookie safety, stepping in for Tracy Walker, and he's had his ups and his downs this year, but overall has exceeded my expectations for him. And I think everybody's – he finished with one pick, five tackles, and a pass breakup, which should have gone down as an interception. I mean, he could have had it, but, you know, he'll come up with those plays hopefully next year. And he did have that interception that got called back on the penalty. I think it was a hands to the face, which was a legit call. I didn't see it at the time, but I – had to reach out to Martin, ask him if it was a, a valid call, and he said yes, so I believe him. I said it earlier, Kirby Joseph is Aaron Rodgers' daddy. Three interceptions in two games. That ties Brian Erlacher's record against Aaron Rodgers for most picks on him all time. So that's something pretty sweet to put on your resume. He did it in one season as a rookie. Go Kirby. So we'll talk some burning bags of dog shit here, starting with Belly. I dare you to give it to a lion this time, Belly. I dare you. Go ahead. No, I mean, that was that was just a good football game all around. Um, but I made a prediction before the game. I thought I was going to be positive that uh, uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon were going to run all over the Lions, and they did anything but. So my burning bags going into the Packers' run game. Uh, just could not move the ball, it seemed. And I don't know, it just it seemed like a three-yard carry or one-yard carry just over and over again, and I was just sick of it. Very valid. And the fumble, too. That was a critical a critical fumble. And I don't think, I mean, Aaron Jones has never really had fumble problems. And then this year, I feel like it's just popped up out of nowhere. I mean, between two guys, you got 81 yards over 21 carries. That's just under four yards of carry. It's just, it's just not good. No. And they also did a bunch of like end around like stupid shit where it just like, you know, maybe a yard gain, but it was just not the right call. I know Brett was saying that in the moment too, when we were watching the game, like, what are they thinking? It just wasn't the same run game and schemes that you saw all year. It almost seemed like they were trying to do too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't stand it when teams run the jet sweep. Like, it works out, like, one out of every, like, 15 to 20 times, it seems. It's always a big play, it seems, when it happens. But I'm just not a fan of the jet sweep as is. So good for Christian Watson to have two for 12 yards, but just abandon that play, especially in a big win game. God, I got to watch the Jets sweep run every other play as a Michigan State fan uh, when Dave Warner was the offensive coordinator. <laughs> well, who's getting your burning bag of dog shit, Brett? Well, I think we can all guess who that's going to. That would be Quay Walker. I mean, what a piece of shit that guy is, though. I mean, you have it in Buffalo, shoves a staffer on the sideline. Uh, and then you have a trainer coming out to an injured player <laughs> yeah. trying to help him out, and he just 
pushes him, two hands shoves him to the back, and then you see him throwing a temper tantrum in the tunnel like a four-year-old. Uh, I saw a meme where they compared him to the guy who gets his chain stolen in Friday when he's running away with just like the dangle <laughs> arms back and forth. I and mean, then also to touch on that, wasn't there the other guy in the Packers? He like kind of strong armed the staff too. He yeah. kind of chested him. Yeah, a little it was bit. Devontae like, Wyatt. Yeah, Devontae Wyatt then comes to Quay Walker's rescue like this small athletic trainer is going to take both of them on in the middle of the field. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they teach him at Georgia, but yeah, they got to mature a little bit, but at the same time, I will say he did seem to have a truly genuine apology where he specifically apologized to the trainer. And he said, you know, he was more frustrated with himself when he was walking away in the tunnel, as opposed to, you know, complaining like, woe is me. So it seems like he's taken responsibility a little bit, but I mean, he admitted like it was a stupid mistake and, you know, came clean. And that was at least refreshing to not see some coach speak PR bullshit apology. I, I believe him. And I mean, that's coming from me. So I mean, yeah, a little... I'll be honest. I have not seen that yet, but I will have to take a look. Yeah. Look at the tweet that he put out. It was like a three-parter, but I, it did seem genuine, honestly. And, you know, he said he was emotional, caught up in the moment and, you know, obviously it was stupid but he does seem truly apologetic for it. So I'll give him that at least, but my burning bag of dog shit, possibly the last chance I have to give this man a burning bag of dog shit. <laughs> it is Aaron fucking Rogers burning bag of dog shit mail to your home in green Bay, Wisconsin. I guess you're going to sell the house. I'll mail it to California if that's where you're going to go. My burning bag of dog shit will find you. You cannot escape it. The Lions put the nail in your coffin. You couldn't do shit against us two times this year. Swept your ass. Sacked you twice. Picked you off. You were just generally beaten to a pulp. This is probably the end of his career, and it came by the hands of the Detroit Lions. It's beautiful. Goodbye, Aaron Rodgers. I hope you never come back. Sorry, Brett. <laughs> had to get that one off my chest. <laughs> now Aaron Rodgers did buy some property in Franklin, Tennessee, just south of town. You might not be done with him yet. <laughs> That's in the AFC. I'm not too worried about that. That Maybe came we'll see from a Super deep, Bowl. That came from a deep place of passion. Well, I mean, he's been laughing at me for like the last 20 years. So <laughs> if I have one chance to add the last laugh, I'm going to take it. Corbin, I love how you like find a way to direct the things that pro athletes do. Like they do it to you. <laughs> it is. He it's like Aaron Rodgers has been beat. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has been beating you. And then when Stafford won the Super Bowl, you, didn't you say something like, You have no how you have no idea how long we needed this? <laughs> I mean, I feel emotionally invested. I feel like I am part of the team. And I do notice like when I talk about the lions, I say, we like, I am actually a part of the organization, <laughs> but I do feel that way. I am tied to them emotionally. <laughs> how they perform is going to affect my mood and how I feel. And Aaron Rodgers has been making me feel unhappy for the majority of the past 20 years of my life. So, you know, if he's going out on this note, I'm going to take advantage and, you know, glorify myself with it a little bit. I love it, bud. <laughs> But let's wrap it up. The 2022 season was a great success, and we'll move on to a little bit of playoff talk here, starting with some bets. That's going to be betting with the belly. Everybody's favorite segment, 
you can ride with us or you can die with us, but either way, we're going to make our picks. Um, as of last week, Corbin went two and two. I went three and one with a nice note on our little script here that says belly. Fuck you for picking the Packers plus minus four and a half. That did not occur. And then our guest last week, Mart with two and two, we're going to roll right into this next week, starting off with our guest, Brett, who's your favorite of the week. All right. My favorite for this week is the bills minus 13.5 versus the dolphins. I mean, you have Skylar Thompson playing quarterback for the Dolphins this week. Uh, I Although that's a lot of points, especially for a playoff game, I think the Bills are going to throttle him. Yeah, I mean, he's he just hasn't shown much promise. Um, it's kind of sad, this playoffs, that we're going to see no Tua, and I think we're trending towards no Lamar Jackson, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, 14, 13 and a half points is quite a bit, though, so uh, we'll see what happens there. I'd love to see... Uh, I want to see the Bills in the next round. I want to see a good matchup. So uh, moving on to you, Cor, who do you like? My favorite favorite is the San Francisco 49ers. They are nine and a half point favorites versus the Seahawks. If it was the Detroit Lions in this matchup, I might have a different pick here. Actually, I definitely would because Lions are the hottest team in the NFL. 49ers (laughs) are the hottest team in the playoffs. The 49ers just have a shit ton of weapons, a great defense. They I think they have a 10-game win streak, and the Seahawks haven't looked so good as of late. So give me the 49ers. I love that pick, Corby. Uh, I'm definitely all aboard the Purdy train, and uh, ever since they traded for Christian McCaffrey, it seems like a guy that fits right into that uh, not-throw-heavy offense and very dump-off uh, uh, promising scheme. So I'm a big fan of that pick, Corb. Uh, moving on to my promising scheme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm tying it together. Anyways, uh, moving on to myself. I got the Chargers minus two and a half, which uh, I think someone's going to disagree with me in a little bit. I just liked Herbert. Uh, it was a shame, though, that the Chargers played all those guys well into the game after the game meant nothing in week 18. Mike Williams ends up getting hurt, so that could change a little bit. But uh, the best slot receiver in the game, Keenan Allen, is going to be out there. So give me the Chargers minus two and a half he'll be a ppr machine um moving on to the dogs uh brett what do you like for the uh dog in this one all right my favorite underdog giants plus three versus the vikings you got Kirk cousins 440 we talked about it earlier the vikings just they've been impressive with their record but on the field when you look at it i mean they've just escaped i think the giants have a real shot here yeah, the Vikings have been called phonies all season, winning a bunch of tight games, and they haven't looked very good at all lately. And uh, we all know how much I love me some Danny Dimes, so I'm a big fan of that bet as well. Uh, Corbin, moving on to you. My dog this week is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fading you, Ben. Two-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Chargers. Like you said, Mike Williams went down with that injury. I doubt he plays. And Trevor Lawrence has been playing on another level. I mean, they just had that big win to win the AFC South against your Tennessee Titans. I'm riding with the Jags. I mean, if it's kind of like I'm living vicariously through them because if the Lions were in, I would want to be picking them. And, you know, the Jaguars were kind of in the same boat as us last year. I think they're kind of the Lions of the AFC. So give me the Jaguars. I'm taking that putty cat. The Lions of the South. <laughs> I, I disagree. That Titans win was bullshit. They played against Josh Dobbs. That's not impressive. Chargers are a much better team. Um, And for my dog, though, I am sticking with the GOAT. 
Uh, let's see if old Tom doesn't have a little bit of juice left on him. I got the Bucks plus two and a half versus the Cowboys. The Cowboys had everything to play for in the number one seed in the uh, NFC, and they lost to Sam Howell and the Commanders. I just, I just can't justify picking them in this game. So give me Tommy twelve. Uh, moving on to the over unders, Brett. Which game is going to be high scoring? So sticking with the same game that Corbin mentioned, I like Jacksonville versus Chargers over 47 and a half. Frankly, I, I think both defenses aren't very good. Um, and each offense has put up a fair amount of points throughout the season. So I, I think this one will hit uh, pretty easily, actually. Uh, the only disagreement I have is that the scores haven't been over uh, 45 uh, since this last Raiders game in the past four. So that's the only thing just that just being a contrarian about, but um, yeah, I think it could be a high scoring game myself. Corbin, how about you? I am tailing Brett. I got the Jags chargers over 47 and a half. Like you said, Brett, the defense is for chargers and Jags. I mean, that's not their strong suit. We've got two great quarterbacks, two great young quarterbacks going head to head, trying to make a name for themselves in their first playoff appearance. Their run game is good as well. You got Travis Etienne, and then you got Austin Eckler. They got some weapons at receiver and tight end as well. So I like a lot of points in this uh, in this playoff game with the Jags and Chargers. Yeah, I, I'd love a good playoff shootout. Uh, moving on to myself, I have the Bengals and the Ravens, even without Lamar Jackson. It's at 40 and a half. I think the Bengals could put up 40 on their own. The games they played earlier in the season, I think one was – 43 total points and the other and the other was actually under 40. So it could go either way, but uh, I just want to see Joe Burrow and Jamar chase ball out. Moving on to the under Brett, what do you got for me? My under Dallas, Tampa Bay under 45 and a half. I'm going to be honest. I don't have great reasoning behind this. The, (laughs) (laughs) the uh, Tampa Bay's offense. I had Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and Leonard Fournette all on my fantasy team at one point in the year. And having to watch the Tampa Bay offense on a week-to-week basis made me want to gouge my eyes out. I I have no faith in them. I think Dallas wins this game. But Dak just hasn't been great the last couple weeks either. I I think it's a tight game, especially with Dallas' defense. Absolutely. I don't see that game scoring too many points. Corbin? First off, fuck the Cowboys. I hope they lose. Go Tom Brady. My under is going to be the Giants Vikings. It's going to be a snoozer. Giants offense sucks. Giants defense good. Vikings offense good. Vikings defense bad. That spells low points. I don't see a whole lot of scoring in this one. So under 48, I think that's a an, an easy one to hit. You never know. Saquon could be eaten, but uh, 48 seems like a lot for that matchup. Yep. Um, and uh I have the same, Corb. Uh, I agree with you there. Uh, I do love me some Danny Dimes, but he seems to be more of a game manager, and Kirk Cousins seems like a game manager plus kind of to me. So, I mean, I don't see too much offense unless it's just a running bloodbath out there. Other than that, that's going to wrap up Betting with the Belly. Back to you, Corb. All right, so we'll kick it to some segments. So we're going to start off with a little playoff pool between Belly and I, so you'll have to sit this one out here, Brett. But we'll keep an eye on that and see who wins this little uh, this little matchup for us. I'm down to put some cash on. I don't know how you feel, Bell. Well, what do we got for the parameters? 
Well, I'll let you explain that. But uh, after that, we're going to do the bowels of the belly per usual. And then we've got one more Corbin. How bad do you want it before we put it to bed for next season? Right now I'm sitting eight and 10. I'm sure Ben's got something fucked up to keep me under that. This one counts for three points. So Ben, why don't you explain the playoff pool a little bit and we'll take it from there. So we're going to do a playoff pool. It's pretty simple. Um, there's 14 teams to choose from. Each of us will get seven apiece. Um, the only limitation is that you can only have uh, four max from one conference because, of course, if we were doing this, wouldn't you just want the whole AFC? I know I would. Um, the only stipulation is I don't know who goes first, who goes second, but whoever gets first pick, the next guy gets second too, and then we just snake back and forth from there to keep it even. So uh, whoever goes first, I would assume, would take the Chiefs, but the Bills could be a pretty big Good pick too. Um, so uh, do you want to just flip a coin or what are we doing here? Yeah, flip a coin, Belly. I trust you. All right. Why don't we have Brett flip a coin? You got a coin on you, Brett? Right here. Oh, no way. The guy's <laughs> actually sitting in front of me the whole time. <laughs> uh, go ahead, call it, and then have him flip it. All or right. Something. I get heads. Catch it, put it on your hand, and show the camera. You can just I tell us tails. what it says. Tails. Tails? It's heads. Fuck. Do you want right. first? Do you want first pick or second? It's two? yours. Oh, you I think, oh, that's great news. I mean, uh, this one's a no brainer for me. Give me Patty Mahomes. All right. Yep. I think that, that they are the odds on favorite now. Uh, I think I checked the other day. It's it's them or the Eagles. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, pick they the are Eagles. the favorite. They're plus 350 to win. Well, I'm going to follow suit with an AFC team and I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills. I think it's going to come down to a crazy AFC championship again. It sounds like it'll be down in Atlanta since the uh, tiebreaker thing from the Bengals bills game fallout, but I don't see Patrick Mahomes getting another one over Josh Allen. I think he will win this one. And then I get to pick again, huh? Uh, yeah, you get two in a row and then we just bounce one, 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 one. Mm, I am going to take. I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Jalen Hurts has been banged up a little bit, uh, but he's back. They'll have a bye. I just ho- really hope that they don't have like any rust off that bye week. It was between them and another team, but I think that Philadelphia has been one of the favorites all year, and I think they have the easiest road in the NFC, so give me that number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, it's tough to not want to take the bye, and uh, when Jalen Hurts is humming, that team can put up some points. Um, it's back to me. There's a team I want, but it, then there's a team that I think will do better. Go ahead and give me uh, all aboard the Purdy train. Woo woo! Give me the San Francisco 49ers. I knew it. Yeah, good call. That was the other team I was deciding between, but I just trust Jalen Hurts more than Brock Purdy at this point. And who knows when he just has a blow up game and loses it for him. So, but yeah, I can't I, complain. But I mean, you have to take the bye team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Otherwise, I would have had two teams in the next round already. (laughs) So I'm next up. I mean, this one's got to be a no-brainer. I got to take the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. If somehow the Chiefs or Bills get bounced out of there, Joe Burrow going back to the Super Bowl a second time around. Jamar Chase for a second year, too. I mean, I love the connection. I love the Bengals. I'm always rooting for the underdog. So between the Bills and Bengals, I mean, who doesn't want to see one of those two teams win the Super Bowl? Yeah, there's a clear and concise top five teams here. Um, Just going right down the list. Next up on the odds chart, give me the Dallas Cowboys. Fuck yeah. I'm so glad that we didn't snake because I was not going to pick the Cowboys. Fuck the Cowboys, dude. 
I mean, you know what? It's just because the NFC is so weak. Like, I just like so many more AFC teams, so I'd rather have uh, the They might lose in the wild card game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Buccaneers beat them, honestly. I mean, yeah, but we already took out the top five picks, man. I'm just I'm grasping here. Well, I'll be the contrarian here, and I will take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because, like I said, Cowboys aren't getting out. If you're going to bet on a quarterback, it's going to be Tom Brady. I mean, historically, he's got more Super Bowls than anybody else. Give me the Bucks and Tom. Uh, yeah, I was already raving about these guys. Go ahead and throw the bolts on my AFC chart there, buddy. Yeah, that's a good call. But like I said, I don't know if they're even going to squeak past Jacksonville. We'll see. Not bad. Yeah, though. I just I'm a big uh, Herbert fanboy. Got to do it. This one's tough, but. Uh, I don't really want to pick this, but if I have to choose between what do we have left? The uh, we got the got Jags, the Vikings, Ra- Ravens, Giants, Seahawks and Dolphins. Yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings and Ugh. yeah, hopefully round out the <laughs> NFC. I mean, I don't like it either, but I mean, if Lamar's like, I would like the Viking or the sorry, the Ravens, too. But if Lamar is not even going to play, I don't see him getting past the Bengals. I mean, the Vikings at least have somewhat of a chance in that shitty NFC. It's hard it is to say I'm going to roll with them for that fifth pick. Oof. Uh, I know who you're taking next because all the other teams suck after that. <laughs> uh, I'll go ahead and take the Jags and take a guaranteed team going to the next round between the Chargers and the Jags. Well, so you have the – okay, I see what you mean. <laughs> I thought you just said that the Chargers were going to beat them. Yeah, that was going to be my pick. Good one. I think I'll just have to dip back into the pot and take the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I mean, maybe Lamar plays. I mean, the Ravens got a good defense. If he does play, you know, maybe they can make something happen. In the past, they've caused a ruckus in the playoffs. So we'll see. I don't like it. And, but and you it. automatically got someone going to the next round between the Bengals and Baltimore. True. Go ahead and give me my old captain, Dimes, Daniel S. Francis Dimes. I salute you, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I almost wrote Dimes down, but Giants it is. All right. So what I, I, I realized I choose? called every team by a player, not just the team. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so I've got the Dolphins and the Seahawks, and you just get screwed with the last one, huh? Um, yep. Do I pick Gino to win the Super Bowl. I don't think so, man. I'm going to roll with Tua and the Dolphins. Hopefully Tua is back at some point because, I mean, that offense is prolific. They were buyers at the trade deadline. They got Bradley Chubb and, you know, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle or I can't remember the stat, but it's it's a crazy duo. I think they both went over 3,000 yards combined, which not a lot of duos have done. So I'll take the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel. He's got the face of a Super Bowl champ. I'm pretty stoked about my little seven pack. Brett, who who do you think did better? Oh, that is a really good question. Just looking at the chart, going off gut instinct. I like yours, Ben. Sorry, Corbin. I know. <laughs> Damn. I mean, he's, the Chiefs and 49ers, I think, are great picks. And then between the Chargers and Jacksonville, like I used the phrase before, but they're frisky. No, I agree with you. I think that between Philly, the Bills, and the Bengals, I think that outweighs the 49ers and Chiefs. 
But I mean, I could see it too because I do like the Chiefs slightly over the Bills, and then I do like the 49ers as well. But I don't know. It's, I like it's just how the pick, it's how the picks fell because you got the two pack, so it yep. gives you the advantage on the depth. Um, yep. Well, good luck, buddy. It's gonna be a dog mm-hmm. fight. And good luck to you, Belly. So we'll see who wins that one. Nice little friendly gentleman's bet, 20 bucks, but we don't need a unit shame here. Let's hop into those guts and get into the bowels of the belly. What you got for us, Ben? Okay, so this one, uh, this one's getting a little wild. Um, and this is last week. Uh, so I um I got a new job at this one company and I still keep in touch with people from the old company and we get lunch every once in a while, like once every like two months or something. And I found out that one of the guys that works with me in a different department used to work with all the guys back at the old company. So we all did like a lunch thing and I knew my front, I was going to drive and I knew the front of my car, like the seat was all dirty. So I went out there and I like cleaned up some garbage and then I'm like, uh, just cause I'm going to drive. I'm trying to be polite. And so then I go to walk back in the building and I'm like, eh, I'm going to lock my doors. Normally I would be coming out quick, but I lock them. I go back inside and I'm waiting for the guy to wrap up his emails or whatever. And then all of a sudden our admin assistant walks in and she's like, do you know anybody who owns a red truck? And I, I was like, oh, I think like Colin might. And then she's like, oh, because there's a guy in it. And I was like, why didn't you lead with that? <laughs> so there was just like a, a vagrant just rummaging through the cars in the parking lot. And so once we hear that, uh, I work for a construction company. So it's just all men. We come pouring out of the building and we're like looking around and I go to walk near my car and I see this guy smoking a cigarette in one of the cars and he turns and looks at me. This guy's got a full denim jacket on and jeans. He's just like the denim bandit. The Canadian was... tuxedo, they call it. <laughs> um, so uh he like he like looks at me and like he looks a little crazed, uh, probably on something. So I was like, Yeah, I'm not gonna get too close. Um, and so I'm like backing up, I'm like, What what are you doing here? Do you work here? Obviously, knowing that he doesn't work there. <laughs> so I'm asking that, and then he just starts to like kind of trudge away like faster and faster. And at this point, like six of us are outside, like seeing what's going on. And so then uh, he runs faster and faster. And I'm like, what'd you take? And he's like, obviously <laughs> not going to answer my question, but you know, I'm, I didn't know. And so then, um, so then we have this one guy who uh, works with us, who runs like ultra marathons. And um, so it turns out to be his truck that they went in and the kid starts running away. And so the ultra marathoner comes out and he starts chasing him. And uh, one of my coworkers goes, that's the wrong guy to run from. <laughs> and he's like a guy that works like every day and or sorry, works out every day. So he's like a big guy. And so then like, I'm like following like probably like 20 steps behind him. And all of a sudden he turns around and he's like, don't even go after that guy. He just flashed a knife at me. And so um, it turns out that that's what he took from the car and like a bottle of liquor. But anyway, the story gets thicker. It, I live, I work in downtown Nashville, so there's always vagrants everywhere. And so, um, so a couple days later, it's like a week later, and today, uh, the kid gets a call that he has to go to court on Friday because they caught him. And so, um, they caught him. They figured out what his name was, and his his name is <laughs> Crossificio. Crossifico. Crossifici- <laughs> Let me, let me, what the fuck? That's his full name or let me share my screen here. Give me controls to share my screen. But we found anyways, we found the police report and, uh, or the, the Davidson County shit. And, uh, he got charged with uh burglary of a motor vehicle felony and an aggravated assault. Cause he brandished a weapon. 
Yeah, that sounds right in line. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, hold on, let me find which screen it is. Yeah, here it is. But Honestly, look at this. Look at this name. Can you see it? Crossifico. Yeah. <laughs> and then awesome. I I can't find it anymore. But I guess his uh his Facebook. Oh yeah, here it is. Crossifico. Oh, he goes by the White Devil on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, man. <laughs> um, and then we went a step further and we found his, I don't know where it is now, but we found his, uh, his rapping on SoundCloud. <laughs> we were blaring it in the office today. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, man. That is a crazy story with a bunch of twists and turns. I mean, cross officio or whatever his name is. That's a crazy name. But the craziest part of the entire story was you were only 20 paces behind the ultra marathon runner with your fat ass. That was the most shocking detail. Well, I, I didn't. I guess I left out the part that that was the first turn at the end of our building. Ah, I see. <laughs> okay. So he had like a two second head start on you. I mean, another second and he was a uh, 120 paces ahead of me. So <laughs> it, it was just like, it, he was just picking up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Damn man. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, you're a hero belly. I didn't do shit. You <laughs> uh, took you out. Yeah. You rolled around the corner. Yeah. Hey, you work here. Call him oh, yeah. You're and the talker. At the, at the <laughs> end of it, though, me and the guy who were supposed to go to lunch, I was like, you hungry? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Belly. The last one of the season. Give it to me. What do you got? Corbin, got to ask you, how bad do you want it? For the last one of the season, I was going to do something like the last couple weeks haven't been that good. And. I was having trouble uh, coming up with stuff, but I was just kind of scrolling through movies the other day, and one caught my eye. A certain Tom Hanks film, and the the film is Cast Away. So a little backstory about Cast Away. Do you know how long he was away? Uh, No, like three years. Well, it's four years, sir. So you got to think about this. One, you have to survive like a plane crash to start, which does not sound very fun. There's no way you're not coming out of that sore, even if you so don't. So I would survive, to... though. That's a oh, no, you, you literally would be cast away in real life. OK, so you would crash the plane um, and then uh, find this island. Nobody else is on it. You're eating coconuts. You don't know how to do anything or you just have your knowledge you have now. But you got to think about it. You're on an island alone for four years with only a volleyball to keep you company. And you don't even get to watch any TV. You don't get to see Emma. You don't. I mean, you're just you're starved of all resources. We've all seen the movie. And the worst part, you have to work for FedEx prior to that. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm well, a UPS guy myself. <laughs> so I would survive the crash. I'm guaranteed to survive the island, but I have to survive. And then when well, would the well, line? Hold on. Hold on. You're not guaranteed to survive because like if you just lay on the beach and don't ever make a fire, like you're you're not going to live through that. You would have to do all the steps to survive. Well, what if I did it better than him? Could I get off earlier? Like if I actually didn't he have like an SOS sign and they just flew right over him? Well, I mean, it's a two step goal. You do you think you could make it off the island? Because you asked the same question to me. I'm not getting off that island. I have no survival skills, no wilderness skills. Dead. I'd probably have a pretty good time. So there's no guarantee I'm getting off the island eventually. Like if I build a raft, like if I build a raft in four years, like a boat's going to come and pick me up. Well, it depends how good the raft is, but the Lions will win the Super Bowl whether you die or not. When would they win the Super Bowl? Before or after I get back? Ooh. (laughs) That's one of the key parts because I want to be able to witness it at least. 
still be a tape of it. No. Or you know what? It's all right. You, ready? Here, they don't win until you survive or die. But if you die, it happens. Doesn't matter when it happens. And if you're alive, it happens after you get back. You know, I've always kind of thought of myself as somebody who likes some good quality alone time. And if I know that, you know, like I have to survive and eat coconuts and fish and a bunch of shit, like I've got a nice volleyball companion and I know that there's a happy ending, a light at the end of the tunnel, then I'm definitely going to do that for a Lions Super Bowl. I Corbin. pay a sacrifice of four years where I just well, I just survive and I learn valuable life skills. I mean, it's basically like, would you go to jail for four years for a Lions Super Bowl? But you actually have some freedom. You have a whole I'd rather Lions go to jail. Time. Put me in jail, man. I'll be like, betting smokes. I'll be betting smokes in the yard, <laughs> playing some basketball. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but if I crash and I know that I'm going to be rescued eventually, like even if I just build some raft and I float my way out there and lose my sweet volleyball at the very end, if I know there's a light at the end of the tunnel and I just have to pay this price and then the Lions win, then yeah, I'm going to do it. You are going to be hungry for four years. You are not going to have any source of nicotine for four years. You're not going to be able to watch any Michigan State football. You're not going to be able to contact Emma. You're just going to be right in your cave scribbling saying, the Lions are going to win. Yeah, but you underestimate my fishing skills, for one. I could uh, I could catch some a uh, whole pot of fish, dude, and I'll be tell, eating fine. Tell us how. I don't know. There's some cool stuff in FedEx in there. What if there's like a Nintendo Switch in there that and like a <laughs> – Solar power battery like FedEx has come a long way since that the time that this was recorded. So maybe I have some modern packages in there, too, that can I can use to kill time. You don't know. I mean, any electronics would have gotten washed out in the ocean for starters. So there you are just playing with. Your no, dude. Switch. No, they seal that in protective packaging now, man. You you don't know how far packaging has come since the 90s. <laughs> Both FedEx and packaging long ways traveled. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think that I could get it done. I mean, that one, yeah, it sucks. But if I, the thing is, like, if I didn't know that I would be getting out of it, then no. But if I did know, like, in four years, I'll build a raft and I'll go and get rescued, that fucking Big Mac afterwards is going to taste so sweet. And then a Lions Super Bowl afterwards, whoo, baby, my life is good. And then I'll get you. Yeah. I give you about four days before you're just on that island. You might be right. Maybe I'll regret it. <laughs> but right now, when I'm sitting here comfortably in my nice warm house, you know, I from a distance, I can say, yeah, I'll do it. Go and ahead and take your three points. Yep. Three points the championship for that one. of the season. Championship 11 and 10 for me. About a 50-50 split. There's not a lot that I wouldn't do for a Lions Super Bowl. So that is going to end it for the 2022 season. Put a bow on it. We'll be back. In the coming weeks here, we'll talk some free agency, some draft, and we'll have some good off-season content for you to, to tide you over until the Lions are back at training camp. So stick with us, guys. We might not be going every week, but we're going to try and do like every other week or so. So we'll still be putting out some content for the people. But please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform that you listen to us on. Don't forget to leave us a review and give us five stars. 
Follow me on Twitter. That's at like Corby Ashy and DM me some ideas for any segments that you might want to hear or think is cool. We've also got the belly and the fish social media accounts going on Instagram and Twitter. So give us a follow if you haven't done so already. And please continue to spread the good word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone that you can think of. We appreciate the love and support guys. Yeah. Want to see you stick through the off season. I bet we'll come up with some wild segments when, uh, we got to stray away from the football a little bit, but want to say a, a big thank you to our boy Brett here. Uh, thanks for coming on, bud. We really uh, like to hear the Packers insight side of it. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, even though it was kind of a somber time to come on, I hope to be back on next year after a Packers W. Yes, sir. We'll have to get you back. Hopefully we'll have a another trip to Lambeau in our future. We'll see how that goes. And with that said... Oh, yeah.